Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Malcolm, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Since then, I've launched the Newcomer Collective, home of this podcast, as well as the New to Canada Academy, the step-by-step online video course that guides you through everything you need to build a new life in Canada that you love. You can learn more at thenewcomercollective.com. Join me on this show as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. Roberto moved from Mexico to Canada as an international student when he was just 18 years old. Now, 17 years later, he's built a successful career and family life here in Canada, and he's here with us to share all the ups and downs of his journey, including those first few cultural hiccups. I remember my initial struggle is that I didn't know how to take a bus. Um, I remember like calling on the bus, like raising my hand on like my first week here. Uh, and the bus driver this did stop and pick me up. And he said, Hey, there are bus stops that oh you have God. to go to. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, it's like, you hailed a bus. You were like cabbing for a bus. I literally <laughs> hailed a bus, Kate. Oh my God. I love that he stopped for you. That's the most Canadian thing I've ever heard. I love that. It is the most Canadian thing. And then he explained the metro system to me and like all these things. Like it was actually so nice. Now I'm a professional. I have a Presto card and an Opus card, auto, auto reload, the app. I'm a professional now. (laughs) There's so many things you have to download and get to grips with. Oh my God. I love those people. The people on the bus must have been like, you can do that. Like I just walked an hour to my bus stop, but I could have just hailed it. It's the best, (laughs) it's the best well-kept secret, Kate. We're not supposed to tell people. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> wink, wink. wink. <laughs> Today, Roberto gives back to the newcomer community through his work at the Institute for Canadian Citizenship. They run the citizenship ceremonies that you'll attend when you eventually get that all-important Canadian passport, as well as their incredible free app, Canoe, which grants permanent residents and citizens free or discounted access passes to many of Canada's best attractions, parks and experiences. Please note, unfortunately, Roberto's audio was recorded a little too loudly, and as a result, the sound does get distorted at times throughout this interview. So sorry about this, I've tried my absolute best to fix it up as best as I can, but the audio quality definitely does get better as the interview progresses, and the conversation and advice we share is 1000% worth it, I promise. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, Roberto. How is it going? Hi, Kate. I'm very good, very good. How are you? I'm good. It's the weekend. Can't complain. It's a weekend indeed. It's just starting, so it's full of possibilities. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's really great to meet you. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. How's the... Oh, I was going to say, how's the weather in Toronto? But you just told me you recently moved to Montreal, so we're due a, snow, a snowstorm tonight. Um, but I guess in Montreal, you have way more snow and it's colder. Or <laughs> Yes, well, you know, actually, I would say that we're winning today, uh, and I'm very happy about that. It's just the other way around um 
I talk with colleagues in Toronto on a daily basis and it always seems to be snowing more in Montreal or it's always colder in Montreal but today is the opposite so I'm happy to report that on that oh good you can see us suffer instead for once yeah it's very sunny (laughs) in Montreal today yeah I'm heading to the city tonight I'm gonna go to one of those yuck yuck comedy shows Mm -hmm. but yeah we always choose to go to Toronto when there's a snowstorm I swear but we're just luck (laughs) it just makes it it just makes it more dramatic and just so so much more worth it you know (laughs) I know exactly and this is the typical time of year where especially I guess for us immigrants we get a bit itchy for spring it feels like it just takes forever like it's just snowstorm after snowstorm I feel like in March and April so yeah, I always get a bit itchy, like, when is spring going to come? Yeah, no, no, of course. We start tricking ourselves. Like, it could be like the worst snowstorm, but you're like, no, 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 that's that's sunshine. That's the spring coming. Yeah, or, you're, <laughs> or you curse us all by putting your winter coats and boots away, and then you do it too early, and you've cursed everybody, and then there's going to be more snow. So don't tempt fate. I know, I know. I, I really want to put that coat away. I was thinking to myself the other day, I'm like, I'm so tired of this look. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of this thing, but it's way too early for that. Come on, no way. You're tempting fate with that if you do that. So, indeed, indeed. Yeah, I've done that before. It takes a few years living here to get used to that for sure. Exactly, exactly. I've also learned that you really have to buy a jacket that you like uh, because it's not something that you're only going to wear a couple of times. It's really like it becomes part of you. Uh, so I've now decided, you know, after a couple of years, I said that I'm going to always be more methodical about choosing my jacket, knowing that that's probably going to be on me for like 300 days a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so true. Because yeah, when you first come, it can be a bit daunting to to find a coat because you're like, what kind of coat do I need? Is there a brand that I should be buying? Like there's all these temperature tags on them all. Um, but yeah, I, that's always something yeah. that I would say definitely invest in for sure. Cause you spend so much time in it. Abs- it's absolutely. like a sofa, like a couch. Those things are really expensive, but it's like, I spend a lot of hours on that thing. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember when I, <laughs> when I was a teen and I arrived and I was buying my first jacket, I, I mean, I, I had an idea of like how warm it had to be, but I had not, I didn't have much of an idea of like what it was supposed to look like. I'm like, I'm like, I was still young and I was like, you know, going into university and I was like, oh, what, like, is this a jacket that I would go to take to school that other kids are going to wear? I had no idea. So it ended up being a puffy jacket with some hairs on it. Um, I don't know <laughs> if I like it anymore, but anyways, at that time it seemed like, like a good idea. I know. It's funny how your fashion sense changes too, because I remember when I first got here, I thought snow boots were the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. I was like, I am not wearing those. Those are disgusting. Like with the fur trim and like, oh, but now it's like the trendiest ones are literally the ones that I thought were ugliest yeah. in when I first got here. So. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Okay. I'm with you. I also try to avoid them as much as possible. I think my first two winters, I use all stars, which are made of oh, textile wow. as boots. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my resistance toward the official boot, um, yeah, that was only the first two years. Just walking around with like literal ice blocks as feet, <laughs> like solid cubes. Basically. <laughs> oh, amazing. So you've been living in Canada for, for quite a while now, 17 years. Uh, you moved here when you were 18 years old to attend school. But um, yeah, you're originally from Mexico. Whereabouts in Mexico are you from? Uh, yes, I grew up in Mexico uh, <clears throat> in a city in the north uh, called Durango. Uh, for Mexican standards, it's a small city. For Canadian standards, it would consider a sort of a bigger place. It's around 500,000 people. 
Um, and it's located on the West Coast, about two hours from the actual ocean, the Pacific Ocean. Oh, nice. Two hours. That's not bad. Or did you think that that was so far when you lived there? You were like, two hours, that's so far. But when you moved to Canada, everything, you know, everything's two hours away. <laughs> you're, you're right on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, two hours seem very far over there. Two hours here does not seem far at all. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what, no. what are some of your favorite things about Mexico? Do you get to go back to, to visit a lot? Or? Well, I've, I've been fortunate enough aside from sort of the COVID years uh, to be able to sort of kind of go back and forth. Uh, so I have been able to stay in touch, uh, you know, with my family there, my friends there, and just to get a bit of sort of that Mexican energy, yes. uh, you know, from time to time. In the winter, I'm so jealous that you have like a home to go to that's hot in the winter whenever you want. That is amazing. Yes. It's just like readily available. Of, almost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so are your parents still there? You have any family that live in Canada with you now or? Uh, no, I came here by myself. Wow. I didn't decide to move to Canada initially. I decided to study in Canada, but I thought I was going to go back uh, after the four or five years. Well, there were supposed to be four, but they turned into five. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the, the four years of my undergraduate degree. I really didn't see myself as immigrating here. So my family didn't really think about us moving here mm-hmm. either. It was supposed to be just kind of temporary. So my whole family stayed back home in Mexico, which I think is the case for many international students. Yeah. Uh, but little did I know I ended up staying, uh, you know, in Canada. So to answer your question, yes, my parents are in Mexico and most of my family is still in Mexico. Yeah. I've been to, to Mexico once. I definitely need to go back. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. I went to, um, Saulita. Yes, yes, been there. A little beach town. I think it's probably super touristy, but I loved it. All the flags Uh hanging up in the streets and I had the best tacos of my life. I still dream of those tacos like three years later. Yes. And oh, just like the energy of that country and the food and the people and the music. And you just have a bit of everything, I think, right? You've got the big cities, but then you've got those beach towns. You've got the history and, you know, those ruins and the mountains. It's just everything going on. I love it. Yes, there's... There's so much to do in Mexico. There's really like, there's, yeah, it really has a lot to offer. Um, including the fact that you may have influenced my dinner decision tonight talking about the Sayulita tacos. Yes. Oh, they were amazing. <laughs> oh my God. So good. <laughs> and I do remember those flags that you're talking about. You do. The rainbow, they're kind of rainbow. Yes. If you Google Sayulita, like every single photo that comes up is someone posing with those flags, but, um, exactly, it's so cool. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So you say there's lots to do in Mexico. Give us some kind of top tips if you were to go there for the first time. Is there any spots that you really recommend as a Mexican? Well, you know, a lot of the Mexican uh, places are not necessarily a secret anymore. Mm. Um, My favorite place in in Mexico is Mexico City, to be honest. Um, If you are sort of a city dweller, Mexico City has so much to offer uh, from like the best food, uh, art, uh, architecture, shows, performances. It just, the city is so, so alive. Mm. Uh, there's just so much energy in that city. I've never had a complaint about, you know, someone having a bad time there. Um, so I definitely recommend that. I also really like the Pacific coast, particularly the smaller beaches of one that's called Masunte, close to Puerto Escondido. That will be, let's say, my, my two recommendations for, uh, for the podcast. All right. So hopefully we'll see you there, Kate. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so as we mentioned, yeah, you moved to Canada when you were 18. So you came for school. You just thought you were going to be an international student for a few years. And then here you are 17 years later. So let's, let's go through that story a little bit. Um, when you first got here, it was, was it to York University? My colleagues, it was York University. Uh, but it was a very different experience from 
the large university. Uh, it's a faculty called Glendon, which is basically a small faculty of York, completely separated from the main campus, um, which is basically more midtown, like Young and Lawrence area. And it's very, it's a very beautiful campus. So I say this because it only had 3000 students as opposed to the 45, something thousand or 30,000, 20, something like that. It's anywhere between the 20 and 45, 40,000. Sorry, my, my range is, my, my range is very big here, but you know, in the thousands. So yes. So I basically landed what you could say a small university experience in a larger urban center. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I was going to say, I just passed through, um, York University the other week because so random. I was picking up an IKEA order and they sent me to some random like penguin pickup yeah. place in the mall for, for York University students. Like you have your own mall that's just all yeah. food and like the stadium for the sports is massive. I've never seen such a beautiful university, yes. but oh, you were saying you were, um, at a different campus than that. So yeah. how was that experience? I guess it's a little isolating, I guess, as an international student and you're in a smaller campus or? Yes, yes. I mean, Glendon was a bit of a combination of the best and the worst in the sense that it was a very cozy place to arrive, you know, because it was a small community. It was more personal. People were sort of very interested in getting to know you. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but I did find myself, which I think is what many sort of newcomers experience at the beginning of the year, is that I my closest people were... Uh, sort of the international students. I remember that mm. I arrived and there was all these international students uh, that I sort of became my best friends, many of them who were ex- exchange students. So actually, they were not there the, the year after that. And it was also a lot of people from other parts of the, the country and not necessarily Toronto. So you had a lot of uh, people from sort of smaller towns in Ontario and the rest of Canada. But overall, the experience quite was quite good. Um, I lived in the campus the first year. And then I didn't know Toronto very well, and I hadn't traveled through Canada very well either. So I could, you could say that after that, my second year, I sort of got an apartment with some friends, the international students. Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. And that was also kind of midtown. And then the more I kind of got to know Toronto, um, and the more I kind of started getting to know more people, I started sort of branching out as to, you know, where I wanted to be, where I wanted to live, and the people I sort of hang out with, uh, still while I was going through university. Wow. Yeah. Because I think, I always think that about international students, that is such an incredible experience because you're moving to a new country and the shock of that must be crazy, especially at that young age and you're being dropped into such, you know, a, a completely different culture and everything like that but you have access to people from all over the world that are also in exactly the same boat and it must be so much easier to meet new people and yeah I'm I'm almost jealous of those international students because you have that community instantly right you can empathize with each other and you can find roommates and you know all of that good stuff obviously then the con of that is that it's it's a lot more difficult to to integrate in Canadian culture because you're stuck with your international friends, which is amazing, but it's a safety blanket at the end of the day as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. How, how was your experience with that? Did you think that it hindered the, the journey at all or you were really grateful for that at the beginning? I was really grateful for it at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I, and I, the things that at that point I didn't realize, as you mentioned, what a benefit it is to immigrate to Canada, you know, going through four or five years of school. Right. That's not something that I thought about when I was doing, when I was in school. Now, a couple of years later, and now that I met many newcomers, you know, who arrive later in their life or through like 
working and sometimes even doing remote work here, you know, um, I, I see how it's such a benefit to arrive as a student. Even though I did have some of my international kind of best friends at the beginning, I did end up starting developing more and more networks uh, in the university with people that had been in Canada for longer. So the school experience definitely helped me uh, find my way better here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to have that school name on your resume is is instantly a benefit, right? You've got that head start straight away. I definitely feel for for these immigrants that come in and they have these incredible degrees and all this work experience from their home country. And it's just, it doesn't translate over onto your resume. And I think it's getting better in Canada now, but there definitely is still a challenge, isn't there, that you don't have those recognizable companies or those recognizable schools on, on your resume. So yeah, it's definitely a lot harder. I can see how starting at 18 and building that experience up was was a good decision. What made you choose Canada? Mm. When you're 18, it's just like for the adventure, right? You're just like, oh, Canada sounds fun. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You, sort of, you sort of nail it. You know, when I moved here at 18, but the decision was made at like 16, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like when you're deciding where you want to go at 16, 17. So I think at that point in my life, I wanted a new adventure, exactly what you mentioned. Um, I knew that I wanted to leave Mexico. Not that I didn't like Mexico. I just felt like I wanted some sort of new adventure. Um, and I was sort of looking at options uh, in terms of like countries, schools. And ha- I had some Canadian teachers growing up. And I remember them telling them about Canada. Did a bit of research on Toronto. I did a bit of research on Canada overall, and it kind of just seemed like a place I wanted to be in uh, for the you know for that part of my life. Uh, and I liked the school, Glendon, as I mentioned, seemed like a fantastic place to to study, uh, which did end up being a, a great place to be, study. Um, those were my main mo- motivators. Yeah. So, what was it like, obviously, moving to Toronto from where you were from in Mexico? What? How does that compare? You said what five hundred thousand people. So, was that a bit of a, mm-hmm. a transition to make? Oh, yeah. I I mean, absolutely everything was different. (laughs) I mean, I can't think of one single thing that, you know, could perhaps I could find one single similarity. Uh, obviously from the weather, but not just the weather, like, you know, the, the, the nature around the people, the size of the city. I mean, and in particular, even though Mexico is fantastic and the town that I grew up with, like they're fantastic people. I had never experienced you know, so much uh, diversity around mm-hmm. me. And I remember that being one of the things that I sort of kind of saw and acknowledged the most when I was, when I was arriving. I remember telling my, calling my parents my, the first month or two. I was like, dad, mom, I have friends from so many parts, yeah. like from so many, I, I said like from so many countries. But what I was really trying to say is like, you know, they have many different backgrounds because some of those people had actually been in Canada for two or three generations. But I was like, I have friends from Pakistan and from India and from France and from here and from here. And, here. Oh, yeah. and so I remember I was, I, I found that sort of diversity in Toronto to be quite exciting. Yeah. I always think like when you're a student, do you ever have these potlucks where everyone just brings their food from their country? Because can I come? Like that sounds amazing. Yeah, exactly. If they happen. Exactly. Exactly. They, <laughs> they do happen. Yeah, they do happen. <laughs> I'll make sure to invite you for the next one, Kate. Mm, what a dream. Oh my God. Have you found any good Mexican food in, in Toronto? Yes. So, uh, I'll give you two, uh, two of my, two of my recommendations okay. that I have right now. So for more like a sit down dinner, um, I recommend, uh, Milagro, Milagro, which is a restaurant, uh, basically means miracle translated into Spanish, Milagro. And they have a restaurant really downtown. I think it's a like King Street West and John Street around there. Mm-hmm. That'll be one. And for sort of like more street food fair, this is a must. It's a uh, seven lives taco, tacos. 
in Kensington Market. I'm literally They're typing so them out right now. <laughs> Seven Lives Tacos, Kensington, and Milago. That's M-I-L-A-G-O? R-O. Oh, R-O. Correct. M-I-L-A-G-R-O. R-O. Okay. Amazing. Perfect. As I say, I'm going to Toronto tonight, so maybe hmm, we'll go check it out. <laughs> yes. Well, I think Milagro is like next door from Jock Jocks. Stop. Really? Okay. Sold. We're going. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a selfie later with a taco. Like hopefully it lives up to Sayulita, but we'll see. <laughs> yes, exactly. We, we, we'll compare notes. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So yeah. So you did your uh, bachelor's in uh, Toronto, but then interestingly, you decided to head to Madrid, Spain to complete your master's mm-hmm. degree. What What led you to that decision? I mean... To be quite honest, at that time, um, so first of all, so when I was in school, I was a, uh, a server as well. I was sort of working at a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like this thing of like, you know, you kind of join your diaspora first. But it was really great, even though I met a lot of people, locals, and uh, it was fantastic. And I wanted a career change. So that was the decision for my master's degree. Uh, in terms of Madrid, to be quite honest, I felt at the point that I wanted to get out of Toronto and out of Canada for, for a year. I, I felt like I wanted just a different experience. It was the same way that I wanted a different experience when I was, you know, 16, 18, deciding to come to Toronto. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was also looking to kind of just do something different for my education. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's nothing personal, is it? When you're that age, you're just, you have this like travel bug and you just want to go and experience some of the world. I was the same way. So. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. Wow. Yes. Uh, yeah. And Madrid, Madrid was fantastic and I, and I love it. Uh, but, um, and I, and I had the chance to stay in Madrid, but yeah, I actually decided to come back to Canada after my degree and like a few months of working there. Yeah. I was going to say Canada must have had your heart, you know, with, with, even if you didn't know it, cause you ended up coming back. So obviously there was something that, that they, that it had done right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, it sounds like we, we took a break, but we didn't break up. <laughs> yeah. You were on a break. I love that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How was it in comparison to Toronto? Is it as diverse or obviously they speak Spanish there. So you were, you were laughing when you were there. So did you find it the same experience as an immigrant in Spain as, as an immigrant in Toronto or was it easier or? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately I didn't, uh, learn a new language, um, because I, I already spoke in Spanish. So my Spanish got so much better. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I were to, to compare, I mean, I mean, they're completely different cities. Yeah. Uh, they're very different places. Uh, but definitely I love how I felt in Madrid as in like my day to day there. I love going out on the streets every day. I love going to stores. I love walking around there. There's just something about the energy of the city that I really, really like. But I always say that the project of Toronto attracted me more. Uh, just the idea of Toronto as like, you know, this more like 21st century city, uh, with like, with like diversity at its foundation of, you know, what it wants to be and what it wants to become. Uh, I think the aspiration of a city like Toronto, uh, was somewhere where I wanted to be. And uh, that was the main thing that attracted me back, uh, to Canada and in that moment to Toronto. Wow, that's so cool because we'll we'll definitely talk about your career towards the end, but um that's that's already coming through from what you're saying because you're obviously attracted to Toronto because it's it's a newer place, you know, these the European countries are more established and that's what I love about Canada as well. It's such a growing country still and we're bringing in all of these amazing immigrants to build up this new amazing place and there's so much that that can happen that we can all achieve and it, it, there is that sense of yeah, there's a big dream there. And I think, 
I can see how it would feel different. Yeah, for sure. I always felt that Toronto was good to me. I know that a lot of people, it's, it's becoming a difficult place to live in, uh, in terms of like, you know, cost yeah. and things like that. But, and I feel like that it was always very sort of, I always call it to be very noble, um, very good to me. Um, and kind of just wanted to go back to that. Yeah. And I think there's going to be struggles everywhere you go, especially as an immigrant. You're starting from scratch anywhere. It's, there's going to be challenges. <sighs> exactly. And no country is ever going to be perfect and ever going to do it right. Um, they've got a long way to go yes. in many areas, but I always, you know, if you look hard, they, there are so many things happening that, you know, are actively trying for change and trying to get better in so many different ways. So yeah, we'll get there. Mm. Yes. <laughs> what would you say are, are some of the biggest struggles that you face throughout in Canada as, as an immigrant? Obviously you've been here 17 years. So I'm guessing it, it comes in, in many different stages. I would say, I would say the majority of my guests have kind of been in Canada for around the same amount of time as me, you know, kind of the five year mark. So I'm interested in 17 years, what struggles you faced? Yeah. Well, at the beginning, I believe I was like, just like deep homesickness. Yes. Uh, um, I, I think that's pretty common, you know, Very, as I kind of yeah. adapted back to it. I was, it was, it was kind of hard, even though I was really enjoying it here. Um, it was hard. Like, uh, it was just something very different. And I think that's sort of like where I struggle at the beginning. Um, I think eventually, I think I struggle finding a niche of people that I really felt like there were people that I really kind of enjoyed mm-hmm. being with. I had one or two people, but I didn't feel like I had that sort of like extensive support networks that, 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 that eventually came, came to me. And I think that I think through university, I remember having one or two, three friends that I really liked, but I remember not necessarily being able to fully connect with like a big number of people. And I think that was kind of like my, my initial struggles. Yeah. That's so crazy because I experienced exactly the same feeling. And it's, it's hilarious when you think about it because you're comparing your support network that you built from birth in your home country. And then you come to a new country and you're like, Oh God, I have no friends. And it's so hard. And it is because you're, you literally don't know anybody and you're starting from scratch and you're not going to pluck out these, these relationships that have been built in 10 years and kind of replicate those connections in six months. But something in our brains tell us like, Oh, you know, I don't have any friends. It's it's so hard. I'm not going to ever find people that are my people. Like it takes such, such a long time to build proper connections with people. And it takes us a long time to yeah. realize that, I think. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It takes a very long time. And if I go, you know, I've been here for a very long time, like 17 years. And most of the people that I have a relationship with in Canada, that I still have a relationship and I like, they're my people. I don't, there's only one or two people that I can trace back past 10 mm. years. So that means that for, for the first kind of like four, five, six years, I was still sort of, you know, finding my way, going here. I met people that left. Yeah. Uh, I like, so there was just all these kind of like more transition moments. And it, it's really in the past like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years that I really have found this more sort of stable group that I can really relate to. Now, that could be that I found those people, but it also means that I myself have changed perhaps, yeah. right? And, and I kind of like mosaic into the place, um, which I think perhaps it's, it's a bit of, it's a, perhaps it's a bit of both ends, you know, not just, uh, on finding the right people, but you kind of mosaicing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and you've just taken the pressure off of the whole thing too, probably, because it's just been, you've got over that first, you know, four or five years where, 
yeah, you have all these pressures on yourself to meet these deadlines of like, oh, I need all of these friends by this time and I need a career by this time and I need, you know, all of this yeah. stuff, you know, checked off the list. And once you realize that, you know, everyone's timeline is different, then yeah, it kind of takes the pressure off, yeah. I think. And then things that just feel way easier when you kind of, you, just, you have that metaphorical slap around the face. You're just like, get a grip. Like, it's all going fine. You're great. And then I think, yeah, it's so much more relaxed after that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that was sort of a bit of my, my, my first struggles. Uh, but it started getting very exciting. I remember my initial struggle is that I didn't know how to take a bus. Um, I remember like calling on the bus, like raising my hand on like my first week here. Uh, and the bus driver this did stop and pick me up and he said hey there are bus stops that oh you my have to God. go to and I'm like oh okay you know <laughs> it's like you hailed a bus you were like cabbing for a bus I literally <laughs> hailed a bus Kate <laughs> oh my god I love that he stopped for you that's the most Canadian thing I've ever heard I love that it is the most Canadian thing. And then he explained the metro system to me oh. and like all these things. So like it was actually so nice. Um, because you know, I came from a small town. I don't think it's about immigrants in Canada. I came from a small town and I haven't been exposed to Mexico City that you know that I love and now I know so well and I spend time there. So in my town, we hailed the buses. So I hailed the bus. Wow. It's like, yeah, you know, there's a designated stop that you're supposed to use. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm a professional. I have a Presto card and an Opus card, auto, auto reload, the app. I'm a professional yeah. now. <laughs> there's so many things you have to download and get to grips with. Oh my God. I love those people. The people on the bus must have been like, you can do that. Like I just walked an hour to my bus stop, but I could have just hailed it. It's the best, well, it's the best well-kept secret, Kate. We're not supposed to tell people. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> wink, wink. wink. <laughs> so you are a Canadian citizen now, quite recently. Yes. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. You're a Canadian. How does it feel? Well, it's funny that you ask because you, I remember you, uh, you invited me to your show exactly at the time that this was happening. It, it has been great. I didn't think it was going to feel different, but I have, but it, I have, it has felt different. It has mostly made me sort of think about my, the first day that I arrived and kind of just having a bit of flashbacks that kind of lead to today, um, which is kind of perfect for this interview because it kind of, I was already thinking about all those different stages uh, that I lived through uh, in Canada that sort of led up to this day, uh, which was a very special day. It was in my office. It was a virtual ceremony, mm -hmm. but it's nevertheless a, a special day. Uh, so yeah, it has felt great. Um, it just feels like I, I have more ownership of, you know, my life here and, and, and that I also feel that I can, I can contribute to, to the country a lot more now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, it must be such an emotional thing to, to achieve. Like 17 years later. Wow. I, I'd love to know whether you've had kind of any identity crisis. Obviously for 17 years, you've spent pretty much the same amount of time in Mexico as Canada now, I'm guessing. So mm -hmm. yeah, how do you feel about both countries now? I can imagine that it might be confusing sometimes. Do they equally make up who you are as a person? Or do you feel more strongly built up and influenced by one more than the other? Like, I feel like after such an amount of time, you must think, you know, oh, you're definitely Canadian, but you're also Mexican. Like, how does that that feel as an identity? Yes. Uh Okay, you really are, uh, you know, hitting a soft spot here. <laughs> we're getting um, deep, guys. We're getting deep. We're getting, we're getting deep here. Yes, exactly. I don't know. I haven't fully reconciled it. Yeah. To be quite honest with you, I 
I, it's almost like I feel both. Yeah. And I, and I tell myself, I feel like I can feel both. Uh, however, my life is in Canada right now. So I just feel more involved in things that are happening here. You know, I, I even, I'm involved in projects that have to do with, you know, improving the lives of Canadians and people that come here. And so I'm very sort of, uh, I, I, it's almost like I'm involved in policy. I follow the politics here, I follow the news in Canada. Uh, so I do feel very involved in Canada. So in that sense, I do feel very Canadian. Uh, and I want to live a life here and, you know, I have my chosen families here, et cetera, et cetera. But I do have that other sense that I'm still Mexican as well. And of course, it's, yeah. It, 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 I don't think that will ever go, I think. No. Have your parents been able to visit and see see your life here? Uh, yeah, they've been able to visit a couple of times. Oh, good. Oh, that must yeah. be so amazing for them to see the life that you've built. And um, it's so different to obviously what they they brought you into the world and they had this vision of your life. And it's so, so drastically different. Um, that would be amazing to get to get inside their mind and see it from their perspective. It must be yeah. crazy. I think it's like bittersweet for them. They're very happy to see uh, what I've sort of built here. And they know that they had a part in that, right? Mm. You know, putting me through school, helping me, you know, supporting my decisions about what I wanted to do with my life. At the same time, they're like, they, they, they miss me. Like, just like, you know, parents do. Uh, they seem to be very happy that I'm in Montreal. They really liked it. And <laughs> so they came here and they're like, oh, Roberto, we prefer to visit you here then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where we used to be. <laughs> I guess there's like a bit more, I don't know, air quotes culture that you could vis- visually see in Montreal as, as opposed to just like a built up downtown kind of city. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Maybe like, maybe when they came to visit me in Toronto, I was like a 19 year old host and I just went oh, to right. dive places. <laughs> and maybe now that I'm a bit older, I just kind of know more what maybe an adult would, a proper, fully formed adult would like. So, you know, this will be my different type of hosting through the, through my oh, age. See, you know? yeah, Montreal got the better <laughs> deal of it. They got the better tour guide. Oh, the whole thing's. I'm just a better host now, I guess. <laughs> the whole thing's rigged. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. Cause I know for me, like, I already feel an incredibly strong connection to Canada as well. Even, you know, I've been here six years. Mm-hmm. I think if I were to leave Canada now and, and never come back, there would definitely be a huge part of me missing and yeah, yearning for, for Canada. So it's so funny what, what used to be like what we were saying, you know, you're, you're full of homesickness. It's such a new foreign place and, you know, you're struggling to adjust or even, you know, envision a future in Canada at all. And then all of a sudden it, it just kind of clicks into place, isn't it? It's weird. It's like a, such an important part of who you are. You realize that you'd really miss it if you left. Absolutely. It's interesting. Absolutely. An interesting thing now that you mentioned, you reminded me. I didn't have the opportunity to be away from Canada, having been here for so many, like many more years. Like when the pandemic started, I was actually in Mexico visiting my parents. And that's when, uh, airplanes started, you know, the airport shut down and everything. So I actually ended up staying in Mexico for about six months. Oh, okay. Uh, six to seven months, which is nice to be honest. And I can complain. I was in my parents' home. So I was, I felt lucky in that sense, but I did really did miss it here. I really did miss it. I remember getting on that plane uh, from Mexico City to Toronto and I was so excited to be back. Yeah, you're going home. Like that realization is amazing to feel, isn't it? It felt like I'm going home, but it was, I. it's almost like it turned things around because always going home was flying south. <laughs> and now the 
feeling of going home was going north. Yeah. So it's almost like things got inverted. Going back to what you said, you know, it just kind of clicks at some point. And then you say you're going home when you go to Mexico and going home when you go to Canada. So now you just say it for both ways. That's what I do. I'm like, yeah, I'm going home to see my family. And there's, okay, now I'm going home, you know, going back home to Canada. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Great. So. Yeah. Okay. Let's chat about your career in Canada so far, because you've built a really successful career in the non-profit sector, as we mentioned. And um, yeah, I'd love to learn more about your current work as Director of Global Partnerships at the Institute of Canadian Citizenship. So you just became mm-hmm. a citizen yourself. And yeah, you had it at your office. You said that's so funny. So tell us more about that and, and about what goes on there. It must be an incredible job. Like you said, you're so heavily involved in in that whole aspect of Canada. I think that's amazing. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, aside from Indigenous peoples, everyone else who has come to Canada is an immigrant. So it's yeah. really a country built on immigration. And at the Institute, uh, you know, we, we know this, we've seen this, and what, but what we have sort of realized in the last couple of years and Kate, you probably know even better. You should probably come over and, and, you know, help us out is that a lot of newcomers are actually have, are struggling, uh, when they arrive to Canada. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, you know, it is true that at least currently Canada doesn't necessarily have like a strong xenophobic sort of political streams happening in the country. Um, however, in reality, when a newcomer comes to Canada, um, uh, there, there are certain barriers and struggles that, you know, we, we, we go through when coming here and, and many of us actually end up leaving, right? And, mm. and that's a loss for Canada. Um, Canada definitely depends on immigration for its prosperity. I think a l- most Canadians like to see themselves as welcoming people. Uh, so what we do at the Institute is basically try to find out what some of those struggles are, try to see what are some of the opportunities that newcomers are looking for. For example, uh, networks, you know, we talk about network, we talk about friends, uh, you know, that are so essential to belong in any new place. And we basically have created programs to unlock Canada for newcomers. Yes. I literally highlighted that in my notes. I was like, the goal is to unlock Canada for newcomers. I love that. It was on your website. It's your mission. It's your goal. And I think that's so simply put, but it's so, so important. You've really just captured such an important mission there just in a few words mm-hmm. that's awesome <laughs> yes yes so um our main program uh within the institute now that we found out you know what are some of the struggles and some of the desires and sort of uh dreams that newcomers have in canada is that we provide a, an access pass to uh, many of canada's best attractions and experiences and destinations and it's called canoe and, and it's an app that eligible newcomers can download uh, they can basically, they can, they scan their immigration or citizenship certificate. And then they have a one year membership to everything on the app, uh, to discover Canada. That's amazing. And I thought it was just for Canadian citizens, but it was, is it, was it last year that it was opened to permanent residents as well? Yes. So last year, so it's a, it's a 12 year old program. So it's been, it's been around for a while, but it, exactly. It used to be only for new citizens to celebrate sort of their citizenship. Yeah. But what we realize now is that we also want to be for more newcomers so that the program became for citizenship. Mm. So we not only want to celebrate citizenship, we want to encourage newcomers to become citizens. So right. we said, okay, you know, we need to open the program 
to newcomers earlier in their time in Canada when they needed the most, when, you know, when they need to build those networks, you know, when they need to discover Canada, when they could, when, you know, when they could actually use that amazing experience with their family at a museum, at a gallery, at a park, at a concert on a Thursday night after working so hard to find a house, you know, translate your documents, get a driver's license, you know, all the hard things that are, that you go through when immigrating to a new country. The canoe access capacity comes in, comes in to say, you know, we know it's a struggle. We know there's a lot happening. There's a lot going through, but you know what? There's all these things that you can do as well in Canada that are going to improve your experience that much more. Um, so that, that's basically the, the idea of the, the, the basic idea of the program. It's amazing. It's such a good idea because yeah, you're so right. That is the period of time where you need to be discovering Canada and like, celebrating the home that you're trying to build and integrating into the culture here and um yeah to just to just have it open to citizens you've kind of already gone through a lot of that yourself and figured it out yourself on the way so yeah i i love that it's open to 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 permanent residents because as well especially even in your case it takes many 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 years for some people to get that citizenship so you know you could be living here for forever using a permanent residency card and you'd never be eligible so yeah i was so excited when i found that out i downloaded it straight away yeah and yeah so so what kind of things are included you get um obviously passes to the national parks at like the discounted rate um there's so many resources on there and yeah savings for for so many attractions and things like that so what can you expect when you download the app yeah no absolutely so everything that's provided to the app it's provided through canoes partners uh, so we're very grateful for, you know, for kind of joining and opening their doors. Um, it's definitely, uh, by far Canada's largest welcome network of institutions and organizations and a unique model in the world. We've been asked so many times about how this network works about, you know, that it's just works everywhere in the country. They're all open the doors to newcomers. They all work under the same banner. Uh, so anyways, that said, um, what are some of the things that you can do with Canoe? So first it, uh, it unlocks free visitation to all major museums and galleries around the country. Wow. And also large and small. Uh, it also offers free unlimited visitation for you and your family to about 70% of the park systems in the country. So that's all the national parks and some of the provincial parks as well. Uh, it also provides free and discounted tickets to an array of events. That's from large-scale concerts in you know, Scotiabank Arena or Studio Bell in Montreal to ballet, uh, opera, theater, all those sorts of performance arts. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. Um, if you're a bit more adventurous, we're increasingly opening our offerings in recreational activities like kayaking, canoeing, skiing. And in order to enable f- for people to kind of get there, uh, we're also increasingly uh, adding good discounts to travel uh, with canoe. So you can actually discover the country outside of your location. So that's basically discounts would be a rail who offers 50% discount, wow. uh, for the canoe member and up to four, four of their families, uh, four kids. Uh, and they can use this to travel all throughout, like all across Canada, uh, as well. Uh, discounts would be, uh, with Air Canada and, and also with, uh, hotels and car rental companies. So the idea is that maybe you know, throughout the week, you will can go to a concert on a Thursday, maybe on a Saturday, you go to a museum, but then you can also plan a little holiday, you know, in the next month or two and, and just can you, you know, to help you kind of discover the rest of the country. 
That is incredible. I I want to do the train across Canada so, so badly. So I think I'm going to have to plan that in my year year membership for sure. Do you know if as, because my husband's Canadian, does he, will he get a discount because he's with me or would it just be me as the newcomer that would get that? Probably a quite a specific question, but. Yes, no, <laughs> at this point it would be the, you the newcomer. Right. Okay. Yes, cool. exactly. That's so, that's so amazing. What an amazing resource. And I think, you know, I speak to so many people who don't maybe necessarily know that it's there for you. And it's amazing. So I'm so happy that you could come on and tell us more about it. It's completely free. We should definitely stress that it's completely free. And, um, yeah, you just have to take a picture of your permanent residency card or your certificate. So yeah. Incredible. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's as easy as going, you know, typing canoe app. Canoe on your phone, C-A-N-O-O, or go to canoe.ca and it will direct you, uh, to, uh, to Google Play or the App Store and, uh, you can download it and, and then just start discovering Canada. I will. I'm inspired. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So what else, uh, do you do at the Institute of Canadian Citizenship? Obviously you, you are the ones that run the ceremonies, right? Um, how do they work? They used to be in person pre-pandemic and they're still virtual at the moment right uh so they're both oh okay our hybrid our hybrid worlds you know <laughs> these days uh yes we we run uh citizenship ceremonies uh in collaboration with uh with uh immigration uh, refugees and citizenship canada and some of them are virtual and some of them are in person uh we call them enhanced citizenship ceremonies and what does enhance mean is that it's just that we're just trying to make the celebration that much better. Uh, so we add elements to ensure that that is a, a special occasion as it can be for the citizen because it is a celebration and, and we want people to be excited about their first day as Canadians. Um, so, you know, I, we think that it's, it's just such an important day. It may seem like a simple event, but it's so significant for newcomers that have gone through so much to get to that day. Making treating as a sort of a landmark for people, we think it's important. And and it's important for the development of the country as well, right? For newcomers to feel like ownership and very excited to be Canadian citizens. And that's why we took on that role to kind of create this like enhanced ceremonies uh, to to just make the newcomers day even more special. Yeah, so you sing the national anthem. Uh, what else can you expect? Yeah, so you spend the national anthem. Uh, there's always going to be an ind- indigenous representative uh, who's also, who is going to give a welcome rem- uh, sort of welcome remarks. Uh, there's also performances. Uh, there's also speeches from people. We really think about who is going to be speaking there. All right, uh, we want people to see themselves reflected uh, in that person. So it's about. I, I don't really like to say like it's a curated content, but it's sort of like, it, it's more like carefully selected presentations and interventions from people that we know can make a difference on the newcomer's special day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we also do round tables with the newcomers as well, where we all sort of, uh, so before or after ceremony, we all gather together and we kind of talk about basically this a bit of what we're doing today, Kate. We talk about, uh, you know, moving to Canada, our aspirations, our challenges, and how does that they feel. Um, and we, we think that that just creates such a good atmosphere uh, during the day. 
Yeah, I think that's really important because you have such ac- you know perfect access to to these newcomers and you can gather their real life concerns and that's that's how you can really advocate for for newcomers because you have access to that information and you know their real life stories and experiences. Mm-hmm. Can you so I saw online that you actually led the launch of Equal Chance. I'd love to learn more about that. Yes, absolutely. Equal Chance was a campaign to advocate for the fair licensing uh, of medical doctors in Canada. Okay. Yeah, so uh, a hot topic now, a hot topic, I mean, it's been a hot topic for a long time. Uh, so uh, basically what happened is that there's a lot of doctors in Canada who are trained uh, overseas, uh, so not in the country. And they arrived to Canada with sort of aspirations to, you know, become doctors here. Uh, but they arrived here to just to confront many, many, many challenges, uh, you know, to, to pursue their careers and to practice. Mm-hmm. And, and many of those, to be honest, quite obviously like very unfair barriers had been unchallenged, uh, and had not necessarily been seriously questioned for a very long time, like for 30, 40 years. Like the system remains the same. So the idea is to, the idea of the campaign was to bring awareness that all these doctors are in Canada and they are not practicing. And we tried to kind of bring the conversation a bit more into the mainstream. Um, so hopefully, uh, we were able to at least support a little bit in advancing the, in advancing the agenda, particularly at a time right now where, you know, healthcare is just, is it's such at the forefront of every single person in Canada, yeah. citizen or not, that, you know, it is, it just sort of makes sense that we have all this talent pool in the country, uh, that is ready to work. And, and we are basically not allowing them to do mm-hmm. so. Uh, just in Ontario alone, there's 13,000 doctors. Uh, for the trained doctors that are kind of ready to work uh, and then are basically not being allowed to do so. Yeah. Wow. Well, to even just highlight the the problems, that's like the most important first step that you can do. So I, I just think, yeah, the work yeah. you guys are doing is, is amazing. So thank you so much for sharing your story and for, for everything you do over there. I'm so excited to introduce everyone to the work that you do and we'll put all of the information and links in the show notes as well so you can go and check it out um but yeah roberto it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure kate thank you so much Thank you so, so much for listening. It would mean the world to me if you could leave the show a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next time. Bye.